Mindfulness Mode 184. You hit this point that is ignored in all of the other books on goal setting where you feel like you're out of your element. It doesn't feel normal. It feels weird. And you feel like a fish out of water. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on today's Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Thanks so much for joining us again, Mindful Tribe. On our last episode, number 183 with Dr. Paul Jenkins, we heard how to create the life you love. Well, here's a question for you today. Have you ever felt like a fish out of water? Today's guest explains how to use mindfulness to avoid that fish-out-of-water feeling. Relax, sink into your chair, and enjoy hearing my guest today, Calvin Wayman. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I am really excited to have Calvin Wayman on the line today. Hey, Calvin, are you in mindfulness mode? Hey, brother, you know it. I sure am. Oh, that's awesome. Calvin Wayman is an author, a speaker, and social media entrepreneur. Most of all, he's aware of what it means to be mindful. He was determined to pursue his dream of working for himself. So he laid out his plans and he put his mind to it. And in the spring of 2015, he quit his day job and began his journey as an entrepreneur. He's a man on a mission. He owns Cobbs Media, which is a social media management agency designed for entrepreneurs to stand out beyond 97% of everyone else on social media. He's been featured on Entrepreneur Magazine, Social Media Examiner, The Huffington Post, and was even named one of the top 30 entrepreneurs under the age of 30 by Influenza.com. So, Calvin, what does mindfulness mean to you? Hey, brother. Thank you so much for having me on, first of all. I appreciate it. My pleasure. So great to have you here, Calvin. Thank you. So mindfulness to me is it's it's reality. Um, I think I mean, we're going deep right away here because what I think what happens to a lot of us is we get distracted by either our thoughts or our other things around us or our past or even our future. And for me, mindfulness is just being aware of what actually is and using it and to live a life of peace and benefit to yourself. Peace and benefit. We all want peace. We all want to be able to move forward in that state. And how do you find peace? I find peace for always focusing on the present moment. That helps me the most. When I'm, whenever I notice I'm feeling anxiety, I look and realize, okay, where, where am I? in this very moment and when i feel like i'm i'm not peaceful what i recognize is it's usually because i'm regretting something that happened mm-hmm. or i'm worrying that something's about to that's unpleasant but i re- usually realize in this moment i i i i i'm okay right and the way that i use to help me get into that mode is i meditate every single day that is actually a new practice for me that I started just about a year and a half ago when I quit my day job. But yeah, um, started out meditating just 10 minutes a day, mostly guided meditation, and now I'm up to 30 minutes a day, and that really helps me uh, get present, get focused, and peaceful. Well, let's talk about it. So your 30 minutes, is it guided now? What's it look like? Yes, it is for the most part. 
Uh, I still consider myself a Padawan in this area, definitely a student, not a master by any means. I've, I've experimented with not doing guided mm-hmm. um, to get to that point. But I tell you, Bruce, <laughs> it is crazy to how much noise is up there. And what's interesting is I used to not even realize it was there. Like mm-hmm. I didn't even know the noise was there. And doing it uh, for about a year and a half, it, it's so noisy. And so if I don't have it guided, it is so easy for my brain to just – and my, my mind to just chase some rabbit far away. And having that guided meditation really pulls it back. And if you chase the rabbit and you're not doing guided meditation, how does that make you feel? Yeah, you're right. I, not good because at the the end of the meditation, you're like, man, I, I you didn't you, you didn't really take the you didn't get the most out of it mm-hmm. as you as you could have. So yeah, guided meditation brings it back. So do you do any amount of journaling? I know you're a writer, but do you do journaling that's kind of connected to your meditation, brother? You're going to actually very be very proud of me, I think. <laughs> um, before I even knew anything about meditation or anything, I picked up journaling. And I've actually been journaling almost every day since I was 17. So uh, that's quite the streak. It's um, I'm coming up on 12 years of journaling almost every day. Wow, that's a lot of journaling. And tell us about some of the revelations that have come out, that have come to you as a result of this combination of meditation and journaling. Oh my heck, so many. Um, something more recent. So let's say a year ago, I was wondering and deciding how to explain my company to people, mm-hmm. Cobbs Media or social media in general. And through getting peaceful and quiet and just thinking, I haven't, I haven't shared this with anybody. You're the first one, Bruce. This is kind of cool because I just realized it came through meditation. And that is I came up with um, – that just flashed into my mind the four C's to social media success. And anybody that's listened to any of my other podcasts or, or maybe has seen me give a talk before, I talk about the four C's. And I've been doing it a lot lately and – that came from getting still and, and a quiet meditation. So that w- that's huge for me. It governs my entire business. Everybody I talk to, I share the four C's of social media success to them. And then other things like uh, I was so hectic uh, it, um, when I first started my business. It was always so busy, mm-hmm. and I had a goal of, of getting a certain number of clients before I hired somebody. And it was through getting still and calming myself down through one of my t- meditations that I realized that the goal to get to a certain number of clients was actually based out of fear and not um, not a real practical uh, goal. And so I was like, I'm actually okay right now. I have enough money right now that I could hire somebody and maybe that somebody actually helps me take enough off my plate that I could get more people. And it certainly did. So right out of the meditation, I was like, you know what? I'm hiring my first person, uh, and I did that about two months ago, and that's just been absolutely wonderful, and my business has about doubled since then. Wow, that is incredible. That is fantastic. And I want to talk about what you first did. You you determined you're going to quit your day job. You're going to go out there. Now, I know that you went door to door. What did you do? What did you sell? What were you proposing when you went door to door? 
Well, the, that, the reason I even did door-to-door was a challenge. It was an, kind of an entrepreneurial challenge for myself because I just had quit my day job and I wanted to do something that challenged me. I always wanted to do door-to-door because I had a mentor tell me once that if you could do four months of door-to-door, it's like a four-year business degree and you probably can do pretty much anything after that. So that's what made me get into it. But when I got into it, it was probably one of the most stressful times of my entire life because I just it was completely foreign to anything else I'd ever done. Even though I actually had done phone sales before, um, door-to-door was, was interesting because I went from being a manager at a company, mm-hmm. getting paid mostly salary, to and dealing with people every single day to walking in a neighborhood and hearing this nothing <laughs> total dead silence like it went i was with nobody but myself and the only other people i saw were people that didn't necessarily want me to be there right, right. so in the beginning there was a big battle going on in my mind or it was like a war or like a, just a whole big battleground and got to the point where I just felt so uneasy and I did not feel good at all. So I just had, I I looked to mindfulness and meditation as a necessity just so I could feel better about myself. So what were you selling? Oh, solar. I was selling solar door to door. Oh, okay. And so you were met with all kinds of responses. What is the one most negative one that pops right into your mind that is just always there? You just can remember it. Somebody said he was going to shoot me. <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> that, that's pretty much, that's the strongest one. Not all of them were that bad, but I remember having a particularly bad day where, uh-huh. or a bad week where I had several days in a row where it's just door after door and I'm hitting like 50 to 75 doors a day. So just door after door after door, day after day, getting nothing. And I uh, just dung this guy's doorbell and he didn't even answer. He just talked to, to me through the intercom. And before I could say anything, he says, get out of here. And I go to leave mm-hmm. and I was like, I know I want to stand my ground here. He doesn't, I'm not, I, I want to help him. I want cause I, I was with the program I was doing. People could get solar for free, literally cost them nothing. It just cuts their utility bill in half. Right. And so I turned back around and Push the the the, <laughs> the doorbell thing again <laughs> after he told me to leave, and then he just came back on and was livid, oh, wow. and dropped a bunch of f bombs on me, and it was like, if you don't get off of my property right now, I'm going to not just call the cops, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> so, oh so that's one of the the stronger <laughs> ones that sticks out. Most of them were just gentle, no thank yous, or uh, <laughs> or the dog barking and stuff like that. So. But yeah, you asked for the one, so there you go. <laughs> wow. Wow, what an impact. And did sometimes, did you start to look at rejection as a positive, the way some people talk about, you know, hey, you know, I got this many no's today, and at least that was something. Well, this is how I looked at it. That's such a good question. I definitely did not, I definitely shifted from it being a negative thing because I learned through this was I think door to door helped me so much with being mindful in such an interesting way mm-hmm. because it caused me to focus on myself and what really mattered. Before I thought it was the external world and if somebody said yes that validated me. 
If they said no, it invalidated me. And what I came to was success was doing the things that I said I was going to do. It was staying in integrity with myself. So if I said I was going to go um, prospect for solar from this time to this time, that was the goal. The results weren't the goal. And I knew that if I stayed in integrity with myself, then the results would come as a byproduct. I trusted in that. So that's what I focused on. Um, rejection didn't even really matter near the end because it was like, I'm doing it for this time to this time, or I'm going to knock on this many doors. That was success. If I went to get to 20 doors, then that was the goal. That was success, doing that. If three of them ended in a, in a cell, great. If zero of them did, great. I left that day saying I did what was in my control. I did what I said I was going to do. Um, so I was successful. So honestly, Calvin, now that you look back, does it actually feel like you have a four-year business degree? Um, in a lot of ways, even better because I'm lucky. I actually can compare it. I do have a four-year business degree in business, <laughs> so I did both. And it, in a lot of ways, absolutely because the the four-year business degree was good because I was being – around that type of thinking of entrepreneurship and business. But at the same time, I what I've come to realize is nothing teaches you like context. And what I mean by that is if you think of a board game, uh, anytime somebody starts to play a, a game for the first time, what do they do? They read the rules. Right. And have you ever seen somebody try to explain the game to somebody else? I and, have. And, yeah, and, and they just don't get it. And so what do they do? They say, you know what? Just play the game. Let's and, just play it. <laughs> yes. And they play around and they got it. Yes. Right? Because they have context. And so when I was in business school, I didn't have context. It's the same thing with meditation. You could yes. explain to somebody till you're blue in the face mm -hmm. what it's going to feel like after they've meditated for six months straight every single day. But if they've never done it, there's no context to it. And you have to be in it. And so that's what the door-to-door -door thing did for me is you can explain even the concept I just barely said about when you have a lot of opposition or rejection to focus internally on yourself. But when you get to practice it after you just barely went three days in a row with getting nothing, then it's a completely different ballgame. Well, it is a completely different ballgame. I totally agree. Now, you've moved on, and you I don't know if you've moved on, but I know you're doing social media now. How does mindfulness help you in the world of social media? Mindfulness is huge because I have clients of every kind and every business that are different. Mm -hmm. And you have to, I think... I mean, every single client that comes on board, we schedule like a one to two hour call to mm -hmm. get still and clear on who they are and what they are in their core and what they stand for. And sometimes I'll sit in silence and think about a client and make sure that I'm taking it the direction that they need to go to stand out more on their social media that will help them overall in their business. So it helps, it helps with that as well. So tell me about social media. What's your specialty? Do you have one area that you work in more than any other? I have a certain client who I help better than anyone, and that is a person who wants to establish themselves as a personal brand. Now, I have 
different companies that they focus on their their business is the focus but i've had a personal belief that's come through being being in it through context that people tend to connect with people better than people connect with a business that's what i've seen on social right. media so if I can get somebody that they want to position themselves as the as the brand and the face first and the business second, the interesting thing is the business actually grows faster than the than it could have if you were putting all the focus on the business. So those are the people that and the brands that I help the most as an entrepreneur or somebody that wants to grow themselves as a brand, get themselves out there, get themselves known, and let the business come on the back end. So many people, Calvin, say, you know, to get my brand really down, I have to know my story and I have to be able to convey my story to others. Talk to us about story. Is this part of how you do your work? You're so 100% right. That's the first thing I tell people is this is what stands out. First, I talk about content. Content's one of the four C's to social media success, but not just any content. A really cool you, – you probably have seen TED Talks before, right? Yes. Um, do you know a guy by the name of Simon Sinek? I do. Perfect. So his TED Talk, The Golden Circle, is a perfect illustration of what you're talking about, and it's a concept I take every single one of my clients through, and it's this. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Right, He says mm -hmm. that all the time. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. So the content that you post should not just be your what. This is why I like working with individuals who are building a personal brand and not just a business because people don't care so much about what your business is or what you're doing, but they care about the story of who you are, what you stand for, and what you believe in. That is what connects and so when you get that clear, you know what your story is. I mean, that's why we're even able to have this podcast, I think, is because I've, um, I have my story of how mindfulness has helped me or how I've been an entrepreneur that quit my job a year and a half ago and it's worked. People are hearing that narrative, and I, I get requests all the time from other people that heard it and says, I want to hear your story too. People connect with that. Or if we're talking about Seth Godin, one thing that he always says is human beings are storytelling machines. That's what they do. They connect through that story and that narrative. So if you get that down and you portray that on social media, that's how you're going to stand out past the 97%. Well, let's move to your book because that's a story. Awesome. And, you know, I know it takes a lot of mindfulness to put together a book. But first of all, you called it Fish Out of Water. Tell us where you came up with that title and why. It's been a year since I came up with that title. I cannot think of a better way to describe what I'm talking about in that book than to be a fish out of water. Because what the book's about, the subtitle is The Guide to Achieving Breakthrough and Permanently Transforming into the New You. And people listening to this podcast, they want to get better in their life. That's why, I mean, that's why we even believe in mindfulness because we believe it's going to be better for us. It's going to help us. I noticed that there's so many things that we want to level up to and get better at, whether it's our finances or our career, our business, our relationships. But oftentimes, when you level up to something or aim to go after something, you hit this point that is ignored in all of the other books on goal setting, 
where you feel like you're out of your element. It doesn't feel normal. It feels weird. And you feel like a fish out of water. Now, the best way to see this, where this happens, is probably on New Year's resolutions, right? Everybody sets a New Year's resolution. They get excited. Yeah. But then what happens come January or the end of January or the beginning of February? <laughs> it's gone, yeah. Exactly. And the reason it goes away is because people hit into this wall where what their goal was was unnatural. And it was because you're changing a behavior you haven't done before. Right. But the tragedy is when most people get to this fish-out-of-water stage, they end up reverting back to what I call the fishbowl of mediocrity. So – what fish out of water is about is first of all recognize that you're going to hit that stage and it's okay anybody that levels up is going to hit that stage you're going to feel it but what do you do once you hit that stage that's what the whole book is about is that stage where it feels weird feels off feels unnatural what do you do when you're a fish out of water to get through on the other side and completely transform into what i call in the book not just a bigger fish not just uh, a bigger guppy, but totally transform into a new type of creature, a shark. And so would this be fair? You basically use various mindfulness tools to stay the course and to just hang in there. Part of it is. Uh, mindfulness is part of it because I have a, a section called Swim Like a Shark. Mm-hmm. And in Swim Like a Shark, the first um, – swim is an acronym. And the S stands for success. And the, that whole chapter, a big portion of it is dedicated to mindfulness, how you think about yourself as success. And it's similar to what you asked me earlier, what I learned doing door knocking, how I learned that it was not something out there. It was not external. It was within. It's an internal game. And so mindfulness is pretty big in that section. But then I have other concepts as well, like once you hit it, you got to become a member. Once you hit the fish out of water stage, you can't revert back to the fishbowl if you want to become a shark. You got to become a member of the CIA. And that might surprise you, but every <laughs> successful person has become a member of the CIA. Now, before you think I'm being a conspiracy <laughs> theorist, <laughs> what that means is CIA stands for consistent imperfect action with emphasis on the imperfect part because so many people get caught up thinking that they have to be perfect especially those of us that are creatives or entrepreneurial. We want things to be just right, so we end up being our own worst critic. And that chapter and that section is all about giving yourself permission to mess up. We knew this instinctively. There, there's this quote that says, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Yes, there is. In my book, I call BS on that. And I say, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. Because instinctively as kids, I mean, we didn't walk perfectly uh, when we first tried. In mindfulness, it talks about not judging and things like that, right? If yes. you, when you start meditating, it's, it's not going to be perfect right away. And guess what? You're going to chase a rabbit. That's okay. Bring it back. Just be consistent at it. Consistent, imperfect action. Do it again and again. So that chapter has that element of mindfulness as well, that you're not judging the way the outcome is. You're staying consistent at it. You're giving yourself permission to be imperfect, but just keep going. And then the last section I didn't talk about is get schooled. Uh -huh. And get schooled is not necessarily going to get an education, but in fish terms, as you probably know, a school of fish is a group of fish that go in a similar direction. 
Yes. And so what that whole section is about is get around other fish out of water that are going in a similar direction as well or other people that have done what you've done before because that's what's going to help you. So if you're learning to meditate, get with people that have done it and and let them have tips on it. If you're looking to grow a business, surround yourself with other people that are doing that as well because you can help one another. So that's the basic synopsis of the whole thing, fish out of water. I really like these concepts that you've talked about and really, well, I live by them. You know, it makes me think, oh, that's a big relief, Calvin, because I guess it means my messes are okay. I don't need to beat myself up over those messes. Exactly. Exactly. We do that too much, don't we? So We do. Yeah. And I'm working on them, but I'm not beating myself up over them. So good. That, that feels good. Cool. You meditate every day. And so what do you actually tell somebody? I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, but uh-huh. it is so hard to get this across to someone who says, oh, this just isn't for me. This is, um, you know, my mind doesn't work this way. I don't, I just can't do it. How do you go from there? There's this concept I heard from a book. There's, uh, there's several ways I try to explain meditation and mindfulness to people to, to show them the, the benefit of it, because it's, in a way, you're not chasing anything. You're not going after any goal. And that's hard to explain to somebody in the United States where yes. we've been conditioned to always be going after something, right? Right. I'm that way. I'm a high achiever. But it's not that. So one way, and I'm trying to remember the name of the book so your audience can read it. It's called The Mindful Brain. Yeah, that's what right. it's from. The Mindful Brain. And the author in that book explains that Mindfulness is not about necessarily getting rid of all of all of your thoughts. Some people think of it that it's just turning everything off, and a lot of that's what a lot of people's contention is: is right. I my brain doesn't work that way. I can't shut off my thoughts. And he explains it as think of it as your mind as a camera. And if things are moving around so much, the picture that that camera takes is going to be fuzzy and blurred. Mm-hmm. What mindfulness does is it's steadying the camera so you have a much clearer picture of how the world actually is. And so I think when people people can picture that and they're like, yeah, I don't want a blurry photo of the world. I don't want it to be a bad focus. I want to steady it. So it's not getting rid of the thoughts. It's steadying those thoughts. So that helps That helps quite a bit, and that's how I normally explain it to somebody that is looking into doing it for the first time. And Calvin, as you explained that, I just felt myself relax. You know, I just thought, whoa, that is a great image looking through that camera and everything just kind of slows down and becomes focused. Yes, exactly. Calvin, I've worked in bullying prevention for over a decade and I've seen how mindfulness can really make an amazing difference in the lives of children and adults who have been bullied. Do you have a story about a bullying situation that you could share with us where mindfulness may have made a difference? When I was younger, I used to be bullied by one of my cousins about 10 years older than me. I don't mm-hmm. hold anything against him or anything like that. He he kind of thought it as as a fun joke, I guess. Um, every time we he saw me, would just like slam me to the ground or pretend he was a cop and arrest me and and like hurt me that way and just lay on me. And for years, I th- I took that personally. Mm-hmm. And that's I don't know if I told you this on this podcast. We talked about a little bit on the before we jumped on, but when I first got into meditation. 
I hated it. And what I mean by that is it was actually more painful when I started than if I hadn't meditated at all. So that this was my personal experience. And so I was like, what are people talking about that this calms you down? But what I now know is there were so many emotions that for years I would just pushed down and pushed away and did not deal with it. And so I thought if I didn't want to feel this way, push it away. And as I continued in mindfulness and meditation, I found out that that's not what is in your best interest. You need to give attention and love to that emotion, as corny as that might sound to somebody. Focus on it and let it move. When I did that, a lot of things came up. Now, there were things that had always been there, but I had pushed them away, and one of them was the bullying thing. And through mindfulness and meditation, I was able to recognize and say, oh, what's this? Where am I feeling it in the body? Give it attention and let it process through. And so what that does for me now is instead of having this negative emotion or this feeling be a hold of me for weeks or even months at a time, I can work through it and it can reduce it to days or hours or even minutes or seconds. So that's how it's um, been useful for me in terms of bullying and stuff like that. Right. Great story, Calvin. Great story. I find with my coaching clients, the more I can teach them just to allow rather than push things aside the way you've been describing, the better it is and the more breakthroughs we make. 100%. Calvin, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? Um, Eckhart Tolle. Uh, especially through his book, The Power of Now. When I was writing my book, you mentioned you have to be very mindful. That's a mindfulness practice. And I did not realize how easy it was for my brain to get distracted until I wrote my book. And the thing that helped me get clear and steady my mind and, and the ship to do that, the photograph, was Eckhart Tolle. Great. Yeah, he's an amazing man. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Ah, oh, that's the biggest one. Yeah, just what I was saying. Uh, yeah. You, first of all, I don't know if it's an American thing. I was just reading. I'm taking a communication class right now just for fun. Um, not really getting credit for it, but I like the the social aspect of just hanging out with people every week. But I just read something called the, the cowboy syndrome, right? And it's something in the U.S. where we've been taught as men to not express our emotions, just yes. to be strong and resolute. And and I think I grew up in that type of uh, environment, just being here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And so how it's affected my emotions is really realizing that it's okay. It's not harming your masculinity, but it's actually helping it. As Brené Brown might say, is vulnerability is a good thing. So that's how it's affected me. Ah, that's good. Tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness practice. That is where the steadying comes in for me. Because it's such a simple thing, and if you can keep your focus on the breath, then you chase less rabbits. That's the way to think of it for me. Um, you're just feeling the breath and, and noticing it, and it's keeping you focused. That's, to me, the, the, the anchor that gets me there. You've mentioned the power of now. We know about your book, Fish Out of Water. Do you have any other books you would recommend in this area of mindfulness? 
The Mindful Brain. I just barely read right. it. I mentioned that. I would yeah. highly recommend that as well. Perfect. Perfect. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? Can I share two? Sure, absolutely. Perfect. I'm always into overachieving. There's two that, <laughs> that help me quite a bit. The first one is Calm, C-A-L-M. Um, that helped me get into it quite a bit. And just for variety and just to mix it up a little bit, I also use Headspace. So the app Calm and the app Headspace, um, they're the – people might go to apps and think apps should be free. These are the two very best investments I've ever made on my phone is those two apps. So highly encourage us of, of subscription in those two. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, we'll, we'll pay a lot of money for a computer program for our computers. But when it right. comes to an app, yeah, we've got this mindset, oh, an app should be free. And if it costs $8, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. Well, when you really think about how much benefit it's going to give you, right. then certainly $8 is absolutely nothing. Yep, totally appropriate. Yeah. Well, it's been really fantastic to talk with you today, Calvin. And uh, how can Mindful Tribe connect with you and learn more about what you do? Perfect. Well, you mentioned my book. Um, if anybody wants to get info on that or grab it, the best place is my website, calvinwayman.com. And I even have a link for you guys if you want to go directly to the book. It's calvinwayman.com forward slash book. And uh, yeah, if you just want to find any of my content or find me on social media, you can Google me just by searching Calvin Wayman. Well, I am look, looking forward to reading your book. I haven't read it yet. And it, it's, it's just a, a terrific book from the sounds of it, how you describe it. I'm totally by looking forward way, to it. By yes. the way, Bruce, you'll be the first podcast that I've announced this on. I, I haven't even announced this on my social media yet. So Mindful Tribe, I mean, consider this special. I just heard word over the weekend that Audible has approved and my book is posted up in audible right now the audio version is now available as well so that's also an option if you find it on audible you can have the audio version and it's my real voice i did it myself um so that's available as well cool well i'll enjoy uh listening to you and i go on a, on a little trip in the next few days to speak at an event so that'll be right that'll be great okay well thanks so much for joining us today on mindfulness mode calvin it has been really good to get to know you brother thank you so much i appreciate it my man okay take care bye now bye-bye thank you so much for joining us today on mindfulness mode for insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode check out mindfulnessmode.com if you've enjoyed this podcast you could help us out by clicking on the itunes link on our website and leave a rating and review till next time mindful tribe use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode